Welcome to the American Valor Podcast, a section of the Act of Valor Award Foundation. The foundation is a unique intersection of Major League Baseball, the United States Navy, and Marine Corps, representing the 37 Baseball Hall of Famers who served in World War II, led by Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller. The foundation's mission is to educate the younger generation about the honor, courage, and commitment of the greatest generation. Our goal is to help our country become a little stronger. My name is Nathaniel Cameron from Ohio University. My name is Tyler Buckholtz from James Madison University. And my name is Colin Kirk, also from James Madison University. We are interns for the Act of Valor Award Foundation, recognizing and honoring those Americans who support our servicemen and women by means of the Bob Feller story to educate the youth of today on the lessons of citizenship, service to one's country, sacrifice in terms of great national need, and legacy. Our goal is to tell the story of American valor no matter when or where it has happened. We will bring Americans' timeless, true stories of valor to life through conversations with individuals who have acted with courage. We will search for stories of American valor, and we will bring these stories to you, stories you want to hear. We are excited for our third conversation of the American Valor podcast. Today, we have the privilege to be joined by Gunnery Sergeant Jonathan S. Rose of the United States Marine Corps. Alongside Hall of Famer Johnny Bench, Washington Nationals pitcher Sean Doolittle, and United States Navy Chief Petty Officer, Aviation Ordnance Man, Chief Sean M. Wingle, Gunnery Sergeant Rose was the 2018 Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation Jerry Coleman Award winner. John possesses the values, integrity, and dedication to serving our country that Bob Feller himself displayed. John, thank you for taking your time to be on the American Valid Podcast, if you will. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your story and your career path toward joining the Marines. Of course, and thanks for having me on. Just a little bit about myself. I, I was born in, or raised in Alabama, way down south. Joined the Marine Corps in, in 2002 been active duty ever since just loving to to do the things that that uh, that marines do and give a little bit forward as uh, as active valor and a jerry coleman awardee uh just kind of loving what i do right now so how did you uh decide to enlist in the marines i, I was kind of a you never guess it a class clown a lot of people's like uh oh, you're really not going to go nowhere and then as soon as the the, the guidance counselor told me hey you can't be a Marine. There's no way I'm like, Oh no, I'm being a Marine. I did, I did my research. They're the tough, the toughest, the, you know, there's, I think we make up, don't quote my numbers, like seven to 12% of the military, you know, we're very small. I'm like, Oh, that's definitely what I'm going to do. So as a class clown, did that cause any issues when you're in camp training? Oh, I definitely did a lot more push-ups, a lot more pull-ups, a lot more running than a lot of the other people in my platoon. Yes, it did. <laughs> so going off of that, what kind of training and education did you receive from the Marine Corps? So I'm a, a motor transportation operator by trade. Um, now at my present rank, I'm more of a logistics chief, a motor transportation operator chief type area. So a lot of logistics and stuff like that. But I went through... A few weeks in 2003 down in Fort Leonard Wood, I think it was five or six weeks to learn like basic motor transportation skills. And I went to the advanced school after that to learn how to drive our version of 18 wheelers. Uh, uh, and then, of course, the plethora of training throughout that time to 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 hone leadership skills and 
learn how to plan and, and organize big movements. So what kind of other things comes with being, would you say, a motor specialist? Uh, yeah, motor transportation uh, operator or now chief. It, it, it goes into a lot because the guys out on the front lines, the guys that's the, the porty spear going into Afghanistan or Iraq or any conflict that we go into right now, they can't bring a bunch of the stuff that they need. So we're the guys that are going forward and bringing them the beans, bullets, and band-aids, as I say, uh, to their forward fighting positions, to their wherever in the world they're at, and bringing back their their trash. I wouldn't say trash, but their their blown up vehicles, their 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 messed up crew surf weapons. You know, we're bringing all that back. So there's a lot of logistics in between to figure out okay hey we're going to serve three seven on this mission uh uh third marine seven or uh yeah and we're going there to to recover you know four vehicles that are disabled and bring them chow uh replenishment of of bullets and, and all that stuff You mentioned the um, the operational aspect of, of your training with the Marine Corps, um, as well as the leadership aspect. So I guess I'm just wondering, what's your definition of leadership, and how did the Marine Corps teach you about, about leadership? Uh, I would say that my personal definition of leadership would be way down in the <clears throat> excuse me uh, in, in, in the weeds of the individuals. You know, you, you have to know who you're leading how they best are led because some dudes are like, are dudes and dudettes, you know, um, they don't respond to yelling or they don't respond to this. So you have to know every individual in your platoon or in your company and your squad. So you have to know exactly how they act, what their backgrounds are. If they're from California or they're from Alabama or New York to the, the best description, guide them in the way that they would better act. But, but the biggest thing is knowing who they are doing that kneecap to kneecap counseling. They're like, Hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Because somebody may have a bad day one day because their third cousin married to their, whoever is having a bad day. And they got a text message saying, Hey, my, my boyfriend's blah, blah, blah. And you know, you're like, okay, let's deal with this now vices later. So you just touched on leadership, but a big reason you got the Jerry Coleman Award is based around the idea of valor. What does that mean to you, and what does getting this award mean to you? Uh, getting the award was super, super crazy. Uh, me, I, I, I was wounded in Afghanistan in 2010, and I see all these different nonprofits come help and help and help, help yourself, help family, help everything. And to me... If I see somebody helping, I'm going to help them also, you know, I, and I don't know if that's just the Marine in me or or what. But if you help me once, I'm going to help you three times. So I started back in 2010 uh, after I got injured. So many different nonprofits helped out. I'm like, OK, I'm going to help you give to other wounded service members, no matter Marine Corps, Navy, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard. I'm going to help out as much as I can. And and that's kind of where I got nominated for the uh, for the Jerry Coleman Award. But it, it was it was it's great giving back to organizations that are helping 
people like-minded and like like myself that are okay let me give uh, and it's just the little things let uh, let me bring somebody out to a golf tournament and play around the golf so he gets away from the hospital because the biggest thing in the hospital is you have four walls you don't really do much other than those four walls you sit in your room you go to the hospital everywhere you go has four walls but when you go out to a golf tournament or you go out on a cycling event or you go out to a skeet gun range you know those four walls are gone and that's where a lot of the recovery happens with with recovering service members you know they don't have to worry about oh is my doctor going to be right around the corner is the nurse going to tell me to do another thing that i don't want to do that hurts you know you're you're free you're in the outdoors you you can do whatever your body lets you do but you you can kind of recover on your own around other wounded and injured guys and gals around you. So along with that, what are some ways just the average American can try to help and give back and help support injured servicemen and women? I think the biggest thing is just, just, uh, just acknowledge them. Don't, you know, and, and I was saying, don't try to help them, but guys like B and the, and the other guys and gals around, we don't like, people saying, Oh, pity you, pity you, pity you. Let me help you bring you, you know, just offers help when you need to help, but like just acknowledge us. Hey, thank you for your service. Hey, you know, look into some other nonprofits that are helping other guys and girls like me, you know, it, it, and, and that's the biggest thing, just saying hi. Uh, you see, like I just worked in DC for the last year. You see people face in front of their, iPhone or Samsung or whatever kind of phone they have 24 seven, just looking down, just look up from time to time. Just, Oh, Hey, how you doing? You know, that's really all we're looking for. Going off of that. Now you mentioned you're more of a logistics now, but you know, what brought you to DC? Uh, so I got selected to be a congressional fellow for the Marine Corps, which is um, a very big thing for the Marine Corps because we're one of the, we're the only branch that brings a few enlisted fellows up, me and like staff non-commissioned officers. Uh, so I got selected. Uh, there was four of us that got selected for for calendar year 18. Uh, so I go up and work in Congress, no more uniform, suit and tie for a year. And I advise a congressman or woman. I just happen to advise a congressman for a year about military issues. So anything military in his world. I was the guy who was going to asking for advice, asking for counsel on how he should vote or how he should draft a bill or anything in, in between those two. I, I was his guy for military. What did you learn in, in that experience? Uh, I thought Congress was jacked up completely until I actually got up there and learned that's the way Congress is uh, was created. To where things don't just go through in one day, you know, you have to have the House and the Senate vote on things. You know, it has to be it has to look exactly the same before it goes to the president. So the things I learned up there was things are very slow. The American people do not like that, but they're very slow. And there has to be consensus of both chambers before anything goes to the president, which was crazy because I was like, oh. We can get this fixed. And they're like, no, that we've been working on that for five years. The Senate doesn't like this or 
this guy from this state doesn't like that because it hurts his constituents. This is the way we have to do it. I'm like, oh, that is insane. The way that it, uh, that it happens because they don't want something to just go through. Hey, we want this. It gets accepted the next day, which is kind of cool. You know, we I, I was the I wouldn't say the spokesman, but I was the main subject matter expert for a member of Congress. And there's only 435 of them. So I had that much of a voice going into Congress when he went to give four speeches or he went to vote a committee or he even went to vote on the House floor. So you mentioned some of the takeaways from the fellowship. Now, what are some of your takeaways from your time serving uh, in the Marines? Some of the takeaways from time since I've been in. Um, I, I would probably say the biggest thing, which the normal civilian sector doesn't think at at all, is listen to the people that work for you. Because they may work for you, but you also work for them. You know, you, you can't do anything without them. You know, at, being a, a manager or a supervisor, you're only as good as your employees. And that's the kind of the same way the Marines are. You know, that's the same way the armed services are across the board. You know, if you have that lonesome Lance Corporal or that lonesome PFC in the Army or the Air Force, you know, they're not going to work for you unless you work for them. So that that's kind of helped me along life, you know, and I'm only 35. You know, I'm, it's crazy to think that I'm getting ready to retire in three years at 38 years old. But the things that I've learned in the Marine Corps to mold people to advise people to to do all that it's the biggest thing is just listen to people you know listen to what their concerns are compromise a little bit here and there you know and it's it's um it's mind-boggling to when you talk to a 18 19 20 year old and you've been doing this for almost 17 years now and you're like wow that's a pretty good idea Maybe we should try that. And and they like their eyes light up. They they have a, a glare over their body. They're like, oh, wow, I just talked to a gunny in the Marine Corps and he's taking my idea for action now, you know, and, 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 and that's all it is. Don't get stuck in your ways, but listen to because things change day to day. You know, I barely know how to use Skype. Y'all call me today. I'm like, uh, how do you do this? You know, <laughs> but it's, you know taking that advice from the younger generation and incorporating it into your generation and kind of compromising in the middle and going from there. So what are some, some pointers or tips or just advice in general you'd give to anyone who's looking to enlist or to serve in the military? Um, I guess the number one pointer I would give would be, uh, don't expect a lot of time off. Uh, because you're, we're an all volunteer service. We've been all volunteer service, I think from the mid seventies, uh, a lot of, a lot of time, like I'm on leave right now. I've, I've been on leave for this Friday. I've probably did seven or eight hours of work since I've been on leave on Friday, you know, so you're on leave, you know, and that's more of a leadership level. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit higher than a Lance corporal or a corporal. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly checking my emails, responding to emails last night. I spent about an hour and a half on my email, responding to emails. Hey, I'm on leave, but I'll get back to it soon. But I, I, I think the biggest thing is 
everything you do affects something. You may not see what it is at that present point, but a few years down the road, you will, you know, like, why am I picking up this nail that's on the flight line? And you're like, why am I just walking down the flight line, picking up trash on the flight line until you see the second and third and fourth effects down the road? Well, if there's a, a receipt on the flight line that a jet goes to take off and it sucks it into its engines and now that jet's out of out of commission, you kind of see that. But at at that lower level, you really don't see that. So just take everything with a grain of salt and think about the second, third, fourth effects of things. How did your experience between the Marine Corps and your time on Capitol Hill, how did that experience influence your thinking about war and about the military in general? It, it, uh, it affected a lot because I didn't realize, you know, I, and just like the question before, I was down at that lower level and I wasn't thinking about the second, third and fourth effects of what's going on. And when I went to the Capitol and worked for a year and I'm I'm hearing briefs from the DOD and I'm hearing briefs from the Heritage Foundation and this foundation and that organization, uh, it, it was very interesting to see the things that I was doing five, six, seven years down the uh, b- back behind me is affecting change now. So it was, it was very, it was more soothing that, okay, the things I did make a difference and the things we're doing right now is not for tomorrow. It's for five, six, 10, 12, 15 years down the road uh, that we're doing. So it's, it was very cool to see the the planning process and the execution of where we're going from today to 15 years from now. How did you learn that you were selected for the Active Valor Jerry Coleman Award? So I got called by my SAR major, which I do a lot of stuff with. Uh, he was one of the SAR majors uh, at the Wounded Warrior uh, Battalion down at Camp Lejeune. Uh, and now he's the sergeant major up at Henderson Hall. And he called me. He's like, hey, brother, I got this thing uh, I want to tell you about. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, we've nominated you for the for the Jerry Coleman Award. I'm like, what is that? And then he started explaining, you know, how Jerry Coleman was in the MLB and left the MLB to go fight World War II, then came back left the MLB again to go fight in Korea. And I'm like, wow, that's super crazy. You know, he, you know, I I think he flew like over 150 combat missions. And and as he started going, I'm like, okay, this is, this really isn't something I've ever heard about, you know? Okay, cool. This is crazy. And he's like, yeah, you got nominated and you're going to be the recipient for the Marine Corps this year. And I'm like, holy crap. That is crazy because, you know, he's like, what I saw you get back after through this nonprofit and that nonprofit and this nonprofit. And, you know, you're just trying to help guys like you and make your community a little bit better. I'm like, well, that's kind of like, oh, what General Kulak said, you know, our mission about the Marine Corps is to war fight, to win battles, win wars and bring a better person back to the community that you live in. I'm like, and after reading after what Jerry Coleman did and what Bob Fowler did, I'm like, that's exactly what the war is about is the Marine Corps mission statement about 
winning battles, winning wars, and bringing a good person back to the community to give back to the community. And I'm like, uh, I, I completely accept it. You know, that I, I'm, I'm glad I got nominated and I'll rock and roll forward. John, thank you for your service and sacrifice to our country. We appreciate no your continued support as a member of Team 19. And thank you for taking your time to join us today on the American Dollar no, Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. For our listeners, thank you for listening to learn more about the Act of Valor Foundation and the 37 Hall of Famers who served in World War II. Please visit our website at www.activevalorward.org.